Welcome to the Data Democracy. Presented by renowned O'Reilly author Ole Olsen Banyut. And powered by Xenia. Make your data accessible and discoverable by anyone, anywhere, at any time. Hi everybody, you're listening to The Day of Democracy and I'm your host, Ole Olesen Benjeu, Chief Evangelist in Sinea and the author of the Enterprise Data Catalog published by Relic. In this podcast, we explore what an enterprise data democracy is with knowledgeable guests. Today's guest is Charlotte Ledoux. Charlotte is a freelance data governance manager at Pernod Ricard and the co-organizer of Paris Data Ladies. I wanted to chat with Charlotte because she's deeply into data and AI governance with a firm knowledge on the French tech scene, which is quite booming these years. Here are some takeaways from my conversation with Charlotte. First, a data leader takeaway. Being a data entrepreneur is something everyone should try. And if it doesn't work, well, never ever regret that you tried. And that's luckily the case in France that it's okay to try and fail doesn't matter, move on, try something else, gain some more experience. Second, the data democracy takeaway. The end state of AI regulation should be like GDPR. This is a super important, super simple uh, insight that Charlotte uh, shared. This means simply that uh, regulation should not limit but facilitate AI. And I really encourage you to listen into what Charlotte has to say on that one. And then a personal takeaway. I have never, ever met a man that didn't want more women in tech. I don't think these men exist. Maybe they do, but we should, we should end that now. We should really agree that we should close the gender gap in tech once and for all. So I hope that will happen soon. It's boring that there are not more women in tech. Okay, that's enough of me talking. Let's hear what Charlotte has to say. Hi, Charlotte. Hi, Oli. I am happy to have you on. So for the listeners, uh, do you care? Explain a little bit about uh, where you're based and what you do and, and also what you've worked with previously in your career. Sure. So uh, really happy to, uh, to, to be here and to, uh, to share a little bit of uh, my, uh, my expertise uh, and background. So I'm Charlotte. I'm based in Paris. Um, I have an engineering degree. Um, and then uh, right away, I went in uh, consulting. Um, I did some consulting first in supply chain management um, and logistics. I mean, in France, um, I traveled a little bit in Europe uh, for some customers. Um, and then uh, I was working on like uh, sales forecasting for a company. And that's how I went really, um, you know, into data and AI. It was uh, the beginning, and then I decided to to go further on that path, and I went to uh, to another consulting firm specialized in data and AI, where I was what we called a data consultant, uh, and then I did uh, actually a lot of uh, of work around data governance with them. Um, yeah, and then I had a short experience um, trying to uh, start my own company uh, with uh, three uh, associates, um, and then we had to, uh, to to stop due to some 
difficulties that we, we faced. Since about a year now, uh, I am uh, a freelance uh, consultant, mm-hmm. specialized uh, data and AI governance, uh, which were uh, what I was uh, doing since uh, a whole, <laughs> since, since quite a long time, actually, but uh, I was not really being doing it on my own but uh, now it's the case and i'm really happy about it yeah yeah i would love to do that i mean i'm very very happy where i am but uh, i also had my own consultancy the company prior to joining uh, Cinea. um but that was next to my full-time job so mm. <laughs> was a little too busy but it's it's super fun to be a freelancer i think um uh, so you've been doing it for a year is that it uh, yeah, I started in January of this okay. year. So just out of curiosity, I mean, um, but how does it feel uh, if you're based in France to, to launch a company and then you, you have some, as you mentioned, you had some difficulties. I mean, most startups, they have to stop at a certain time, right? The different yeah. approaches to how that feels uh, in the world. How, how does, is, is that considered like a, a normal thing in France to launch something and then you have, have to let it go because of, various reasons mm, or... yeah yeah i think a lot of people try because um i'm yeah i must say in france it's quite easy to try in the sense that you have uh, a lot of help uh, you know from the government uh, it's quite easy at first at least um to get some financial help oh. uh, so yeah i mean you see a lot of companies uh, launching uh, trying uh, but yeah i think what's hard is to admit that maybe you didn't do the right choices or maybe the timing wasn't right for your uh, concept and then deciding to stop. Um, it's it's a lot mentally, but um, mm. I, 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 I think at first I saw this like, okay, this is a failure. This is going to be, this is going to look bad in my resume and everything. But it's actually not, uh, and it's uh, it's perceived as as something great because, like, you tried, uh, you have this mindset of entrepreneur that many companies look for. So in the end, um, I think it's still a positive experience, and uh, I'm I'm really glad actually that uh, even in France, people see this as a positive experience. Well, I am glad to hear that. I <laughs> think that's just the way it should be, right? Uh, I think it. It's a typical thing for Europeans to be like, ah, I did a startup, it didn't work, I failed. I mean, that's not how it should be, right? We should really have the possibility to just try stuff out. And if it works, let's all be happy about it. And if it doesn't, you still have learned a lot. Like you're just yeah. saying, you have you have learned an immensely lot. So, so I'm, so I'm really happy to, to hear that that's the kind of feedback you, you get. And that's definitely also the feedback you should be getting. I, I wholeheartedly support um okay so um uh, moving into the questions at hand i noticed that you are a a top data governance voice and i would definitely like to know more uh, about your take on data governance so for me and the listeners uh, could you share your understanding of uh, of data governance yeah um funny is that uh, i um recently uh, maybe you noticed i i, I did this post uh, to explain data governance in like two minutes and uh, and it got a lot a lot of reaction <laughs> i didn't expect that i was quite happy but i think it shows that it needs to be clarified 
in an easier way so that you know everyone can really understand because when you say data governance it feels like it's a, a weird concept or something that is like complex Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, to, to just maybe to make it simple, I would say um, it's really a, a framework uh, to um, that companies are using um, to value data that they have throughout their company. So that's that's it. And then in this framework, you can put many things. You can have roles. You can have processes. You can have tools. You can have whatever works for you. But in the end. All data governance is here to help the company um, make data a valuable asset. Mm, yeah, that's how I, I would I would say it. <laughs> I like the simplicity of that. I I can definitely connect to that. So so there are also um, in in your description in your title, there's also this connection to AI, mm-hmm. and I know you focus a lot on data governance, but but still, what would you how would you characterize the relation between data governance at its core and then AI governance or, or whatever we should call that link to, to AI? How would you describe that? Yeah. Um, yeah, when, when I was um, in my previous years uh, working uh, for a consulting firm in data and AI, um, I think it's it's quite funny that at first I was helping like chief data officers or you know, C-levels to define their data strategy and the use cases around AI. It was very AI-focused, like what what should we do? How can we have some AI use cases that look cool and everything? (laughs) So that's what I did um, the first years that I was there. Um, And then um, I would say it changed in the way that, okay, once they had done one or two projects that were so hard for uh, data scientists who were spending like a lot of time just collecting data, understanding data, um, like making it uh, to the right quality level, then the companies realized like, okay, so maybe we should work on data before, <laughs> before <laughs> um, working on AI. Um, and that's really how it happened for me. So um, I think it shows that companies have shifted uh, a little bit um, and that they realize they need to work um, on their uh, data as assets. Um, so, yeah, that's for me, that's the link. And I think now, maybe in the next coming years, once uh, you know companies have worked a lot uh, on um, ha- arrived to this point where data is at the, the right quality level, is correctly managed, uh, labeled, and everything we expect from data governance, then there will be, again, um, I would say, an, a shift the other way where we come back to AI and we are like, okay, now we need also governance for our algorithm because we will need uh, this algorithm to be responsible, to be transparent, um, to be... Uh, like, yeah, make sure that, that, that there's no bias in the results and everything. So I think, yeah, we will come back to AI governance um, very shortly, uh, especially now uh, we see also the, the regulation that is coming. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm expecting to, you know, do the, the, the to go back. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I would say I went from AI to data and I'm expecting to, to go from data to AI very soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. Uh kind of uh, loop you described there and we will get uh, deeper into to, to those 
those elements as uh, the conversation unfolds a bit more. Um, okay, so another thing on your resume is that you uh, you uh, you're part of uh, Paris uh, Data Ladies. What is that all about? Yeah, so um, when I was in the, um, the the consulting firm, the second one uh, that I joined, uh, who were specialized on data and AI, um, they had uh, this initiative um, where they really wanted uh, to have meetups dedicated uh, to giving a voice to, to women in data and AI. So they created the meetup. Uh, internally, um, and then we were, um, like several people got involved in the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it it grew <laughs> so well. Uh, it was quite actually almost surprising, but I think at this moment, it was before COVID. So mm-hmm. lots of uh, events uh, taking place uh, in Paris around data and AI, um, like a, a big topic that was uh, growing. Um, so yeah, we we now have more than three thousand members um, on our oh. meetup page. So it's quite uh, big now. Um, yeah, and then it evolved, and um, I would say we were the, the people who were organizing it were part of this consulting firm. But then, you know, our careers uh, evolved too, um, and we went to other companies and everything. But we. Mm-hmm always kept um, organizing these events uh, together. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's still going on. Uh, I have uh, an event at end of November at uh, Mano Mano, which is a, a French uh, marketplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, they, yeah, we, we always look for companies to host the event uh, because we are, we are not, we are not like a, we, we we don't have funds. We are not a financial uh, company. Uh, it's uh, the the meetup we organized uh, uh, are just you know events, and they are not. We we don't make people pay for them to go there. So it's really the company who is the host will uh, pay a little bit for having people coming over during the event and then having a drink after. But uh, but that's it. There's no like we're not looking for money. <laughs> that's what no, I want no. to say. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the goal is really to have um, women on women women speakers only during the event. Yeah, and and I uh, I wholeheartedly support that. Uh, it's uh, it's really great. Uh, I I want to know so 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 just for the listeners uh, and for you, Charlotte. <laughs> uh, by the time this episode airs, uh, the the event will have happened. So how do you how do how many people do you expect uh, to come at such an event? Um yes yeah, so usually we have between uh 80 or 100 people mm, coming great. to this to our events. Um sometimes we also have some uh hybrid hybrid uh, version where people can connect remotely. Mm-hmm. Um so but yeah overall it's about 100 uh person at each meetup. So I guess what what motivates you to create this uh, to be part of uh, organizing these events? Um, yeah, we are actually we are uh, ten uh, ten female uh, org- uh, co organizers. So um, that's uh, that's also I would say really the this small group um, that is really enjoyable um, because we support each other. Now we 
we have our own track, our own careers and it, and our own network. And it's great to be able to still share these moments together uh, to okay, think, okay, we need female speakers in this industry or in this topic, uh, who can we find and everything. I think it's super interesting. We always meet uh, great, <laughs> great people. Um, and uh, I, I, I think my goal is that when I meet women who are specialized in a field uh, or on a topic who have done great things, I'm always surprised that they don't really want to talk about it because they don't feel legitimate. Yeah. And it's yeah. very surprising. And I'm like, okay, do, can, do you notice that, I don't know, before you, men have been speaking about this subject, even if they don't know a thing, you've been yeah. studying the subject <laughs> for like 10 years. I think you could say a, a word or two uh, that would interest people. So yeah, exactly. the idea for me is, yeah, it's my goal to, to have more women um, taking the lead uh, and, and speak about what they do. I, I really, really agree in this personally. It's really difficult to get uh, women uh, on the show here. Uh, well, it's not difficult, but it's just I notice that it's, it, it takes a little more persuasion than with men. And yeah. um, I got to say, I wish it would stop. <laughs> Because I think women are very, very much needed in tech. I, I have my own personal idiosyncratic. Uh, it's completely idiosyncratic. But I think that the many pro there are many problems in tech and data that can be boiled down to the fact that there are too many men in this business. But it's, this is totally off, off topic. But, but uh, I, th I wish there would be more active women. So I'm really happy that you're doing it. Uh, to what extent... Uh, do you see a gender gap in in the French tech scene? Is is it is it really like a lot of men and not so many women, or is it getting closer? I mean, I follow it from a distance. Of course, I'm based out of Copenhagen, but I work in Paris now. Um, yeah. So so I'm I'm seeing it a little closer than I used to, but but still, I mean, what, what's your take on it? Yeah, I, I think there's been a lot of effort. Um, and if you look at uh, the split uh, men, women uh, on like the big um, tech companies or, you know, the, 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 the scale ups uh, in France, um, it's, it's not that bad. Um, it's, you look, it will reach like 40, maybe 45 percent. Mm -hmm. But what's really interesting, actually, is to look at management positions. And that's where the gap is still really, really huge. I, I was just looking at numbers because there's this really interesting study that is done by um, uh, Sista and BCG who are uh, always uh, working on this uh, topic of gender gap. Um, and in their last studies, it, it showed that in the next 40 in France, there's only 13% uh, of women in management positions for these companies. So it's still really low, actually. Mm. Um, and among these, uh, if you look at uh, specific positions like CTO, uh, it goes down to like 3%. So, oh, yeah. Horrible. <laughs> so even over, overall on the companies, they manage to have this kind of equality in numbers of employees. It's getting closer, but in mm. management positions, it's still terrible. So, mm. so again, about, yeah, that, it connects with what we were saying previously, um, like having the, the the trust, the confidence to take leadership position. Um, this is really hard for women. Yeah. Um, 
it is. I mean, statistically, that that uh, that is really uh, something that is undebatable. Um, I hope it will change. I really hope. So broadening the question a little bit to the tech scene uh, in France uh, in general, I've been following it closely because I've been following like tech scenes in Europe in general. Mm. I think there's a lot of very, very positive things going on in, in Europe when it comes to, uh, to, to new tech. Uh, I think a lot of bright uh, people are emerging uh, all across uh, this old continent, and, and that's really positive. And, but I don't know. Uh, I mean, in general, so the tech scene in France, is it doing well? Is it not doing well? What's happening these years? Is it booming or is, it, is there something missing? What, what, how would you describe it? Mm, yeah, I mean, we, we could say that it's been uh, booming in the sense like, yeah, lots of projects, uh, startups going on. Um, also, I would say lots of open source projects uh, mm -hmm. in tech that's, that we could see uh, that are super interesting. Um, and then, yeah, on the other hand, um, I think regarding the fact that it's, you know, quite, like I said, quite easy to get some financial help. Mm -hmm. uh, the problem I see with that is that a lot of projects will get um, some financial help uh, to start. But it's like you give a little bit to everyone instead of maybe being like okay we should give a lot to a few but at least for these few we will make sure that they will go far and that they will not have to uh, close the company in like six months you know what oh, i mean yeah 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 okay yeah so 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 perhaps you're actually wishing for a little tougher prioritization then yeah exactly exactly okay, because yeah. yeah when when you compare um the the amount uh, of uh, of funding um, they are quite low in France compared to the US for like similar companies or similar topics, mm -hmm. showing that yeah maybe of course there is less uh, money available or whatever but it's also because we don't prioritize topics and we give a little bit to everyone I would say yeah yeah that. Uh... That could very well be true. I mean, following it from the from the outside a little bit, I've seen that you France has managed to create how many unicorns was it in the first period of uh, Emmanuel yeah, Macron's twenty? Uh, yeah, yeah that's like really that. impressive. I mean, for 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 for, <laughs> for a Western European country like catching up with the 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 involvement in in tech, I think that's quite impressive. So, but but still, I mean, of course, you need to adjust, and and then we also have this problem in Europe that at some point we need to sell to the Americans, right? I mean, there, there's yeah. just no other way, um, except if we want to keep the companies, like not sell them, but simply keep them, put them on the stock exchange, and leave them for our kids. That should also be something we should all consider here, not not selling all of our companies. Okay, Charlotte, I would also uh, like to uh, to ask you, um, and this is my final question, actually, uh, what, what your hopes are uh, for AI in this decade. You touched a little bit upon it in, in the beginning of our conversation, but uh, yeah. what do you think AI will help us do and what should we expect? And, and perhaps even more, 
specifically for you, how should we govern it? Um, yeah, so I think there's been still a, a, a lot of news. Like, um, I mean, even uh, if you if you watch, uh, I think it was this week, uh, the, the OpenAI uh, conference. Uh, so we can see that it's moving so fast. Um, we can do great things. The, like it's like we are having basically some small assistance for assistant, you know, for every aspect of our lives. I would say. Yeah. Uh, it, so the what? Well, yeah. What does it mean? Like, are we losing jobs? I I don't think so because I think it will be like powerful full tools to help us. Uh, be more productive, uh, be smart, uh, smarter in our decisions uh, in what we want to do in the future. That's at least that's what I hope for. Um, and yeah, governance will be key. Uh, there's the regulation um, coming for the AI, AI Act. Uh, I also read that uh, last week um, some uh, European countries uh, and even the US or yeah some a, a lot of countries signed something on uh, for an a responsible AI. This was um, signed in the UK last week, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had the responsible AI summit. Yeah. Exactly. So great, great news because of course there will be some bad sides of it um i mean if you could you know use anybody's voice uh imitate uh you can you know reach for so many bad ideas that could come up with this so we yeah. need to be very careful i hope the regulation will be at the right level um but also flexible because if it's not then you know we have been going to be like okay we we cannot move on or we cannot innovate and everything so it's it's really hard i think for right now to find the right balance uh, regarding the regulation but i hope it will be done in a in a clever way <laughs> let's hope for that um and yeah and we will have a lot of work as consultants uh, to make sure that you know the regulation is respected um, we will have to come up with some framework for companies to respect the regulation, making sure it's easy to implement. Um, we'll have to come up with some auditing uh, framework as well. So I, I guess for, for consultants, um, it's a great topic uh, to catch up right now and to come up with some great ideas for companies to, um, yeah, to, to grab these regulations easily. So for, for consulting, that's what I see. Uh, take, take this topic um, and, uh, yeah, package things so that companies can, can do it easily. It's like when we had, you know, GDPR in 2017, it was like, okay, this is huge. How are we going to do? Do we need to delete all the personal data that we have? Yeah. yeah. In the end, no. And they're still, I think for the GDPR, um, they actually found uh, somehow a flexibility. Mm. Um, I mean, there's been some great things like asking for consent. Um, okay. Yeah, so I, I hope we can do the same for AI uh, in some ways. Um, that's what I hope. And yeah, for and again, for GDPR, we came up with some solutions. Um, of course, consulting, but not only. There's been some vendors uh, coming up with some solutions to make it easy um, to classify the data uh, if it's personal, sensitive, or whatever. So I'm sure we'll come up also uh, 
with some solutions um, to make sure that AI is uh, uh, trustworthy, transparent, um, and non-biased. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's a that's a really great way to um, to to explain it. Actually, just um, comparing it very concretely with GDPR and and hoping for a way to manage AI that will match um, the security and flexibility of GDPR. I mean, GDR, yeah. GDPR couldn't, didn't put uh, uh, industries out of business, right? It just mm-hmm. ensured that we had civic rights and, uh, and, and that data <laughs> was treated uh, democratically. Uh, the topic yeah. of this podcast is... It's actually that, right? I tend sometimes to forget it, but it's it's a really nice perspective, uh, Sana. I like to think of it like that. Okay, so I want to thank you for being on. It was great uh, having you, and I hope to connect uh, from time to time in Paris when I, I'm at sure. the headquarters in Sanea. Yeah, great. yeah, it, w- it would be great. And uh, yeah, do, don't forget the Paris Data Ladies Meetup. Um, if you have any recommendation uh, for, for uh, some female speakers, I would be happy to, to have them. Yes, of course. You bet. I will send you a long list. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Charlotte. Uh, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>